what's happening everybody and welcome back to another episode of rapping with reef bum i'm your host keith urkelhammer so today on the live stream i welcome andrew robson who is a reef tank hobbyist as well as a bonsai artist an interesting intersection of hobbies and skills and we will uh, be discussing the art of bonsai and how that could be utilized for aquascaping and designing a reef tank what's happening there, andrew man thanks for uh, for joining me tonight hey keith thanks so much for having me on it's a real pleasure i'm a big fan of the show and really appreciate you uh having a conversation with me yeah no this should be uh, very very interesting i know aquascaping is a big uh big topic in the hobby and a lot of people are always trying to figure it out in terms of trying to get that uh, scape right and and do something unique and different so we can kind of dig into that um for those folks um that don't know andrew and andrew is is does his own podcast for uh for for bonsai as a bonsai artist so he's part of his own podcast and um g give a shout out there andrew in terms of how people can find this podcast yeah it's the bonsai wire podcast uh so we're wherever you can get your normal podcasts uh, you can check us out uh, i i i'm a co-host with several other colleagues and uh we have a lot of fun talking to, to people just like you do, Keith. So, so the uh, the bonsai artists that are tuning in probably knows uh, Andrew, but maybe a lot of the reef tank hobbyists out there might not know uh, Andrew. And uh, but he is an award winning deciduous artist. Did I pronounce that correctly? Deciduous uh, artist. Yeah, my business is actually called Rakuyo, and and that's a Japanese word for deciduous or okay. falling leaves. Uh, basically, think any deciduous plants that change color and drop their leaves in the the winter. Uh, those are the types of trees I specialize in. Gotcha. So he's a he's a an award winning deciduous artist in the American bonsai community. He complete, completed a three year apprenticeship with Michael uh, Hagedorn. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing yeah, that Hagedorn. correct. Hagedorn. After graduating from Yale University, Andrew is the president of the bonsai. Society of Portland, the uh, that's uh, Oregon, Portland, Oregon, Portland, yeah. Oregon, the largest bonsai club in North America. He regularly exhibits work at the Portland Japanese Garden and lectures at the Garden Monthly. Andrew, which has talked about as host of his own podcast, Bonsai Wire podcast, and regularly creates new episodes with the other hosts and prominent figures in that community. Andrew resides at his recently constructed garden, um, rac, rac, how do you pronounce that? Rac, uh, Rakuyo. Rakuyo. Yeah. With his golden retriever, Bailey. I've got a golden retriever too. His name is Wilson. Uh, where he teaches and shares the art of deciduous bonsai. But before we start chatting with Andrew, I want to thank the sponsors for this show, both Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine. Appreciate them supporting the live stream. And I also appreciate all you folks out there that are tuning in uh, as per usual. Please hit that like button so more people can find this live stream. And while you're at it, if you haven't subscribed to the channel, what the heck, hit that uh, subscribe button. would really appreciate it. So, uh, all right, I see a whole bunch of people uh, tuning in there. Andy, what's happening there? Uh, we got Gray Beard of Reef Paul, moderator. What's happening there? Barry Goss Sr. Um, what's up, Keith? How was your trip to see Andrew's little tank laugh out loud? Oh yeah, I got I had a quite the interesting visit to Polar Reef, and I also visited uh, Joe Muscat, uh, Tusi Corals. So it was quite the uh, quite the long island. You had some big trips coming up. Quite the Long Island road trip. So uh, yeah, check out the video I just put out there on on Joe's uh, tank and the video I got on on Andrew Sandler's tank setup. Tanks, unfreaking believable. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah. Unbelievable. So, man, all right, let's um, let's start by talking about the art of bonsai. I think um, most of us have an idea what it is, but can you kind of give us a detailed description what it's all about? Yeah, absolutely. So bonsai is a Japanese art. Uh, it's been around for about 1300 years, probably a little bit more came to Japan from China, like many things. Uh, and it's basically a way to have a little piece of nature uh, in a more intimate way, much, much like a reef tank is. Uh, it, it's a way of connecting with nature, um, maybe taking some of the more beautiful parts of nature and, and, and having that close by. Um, and so, so bonsai is basically just any woody plant. It could be a tree, a shrub or a vine that you grow in a pot or some type of container. It could be planted on a stone. Uh, it could be in a piece of steel. It doesn't really matter. Um, but some type of containerized tree, um, or, or woody plant that we use to make artistic shapes and forms. So it can be any kind of a deciduous uh, tree? Yeah, you can make a bonsai out of basically anything that grows in your front yard hmm. is, is fair game. Uh, it has to be a woody plant, um, meaning it has to, to grow and not die back to the soil every year. Otherwise, you can't kind of build off of, of, of that structure. But um, yeah, it's, it's any woody plant. Uh, and it's, 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 you know, not every woody plant in a pot is a bonsai. Uh -huh. um, it's, it's a stylized plant to evoke some type of artistic imagery. So, um, Mike Andrews, I know Andrew through bonsai circles and now I find out he's a reef uh, hobbyist as well, <laughs> right? You're, you're, rel hey, Mike. you're relatively, uh, new to the reef tank, uh, hobby, right? I'm very new. I, I started the tank. Um, this tank's only five months old. Um, I got into the hobby about a year and a half, uh, two years ago. Uh, my very best bonsai client in Austin, Texas, uh, has a eight foot, you know, beautiful SPS tank. Um, and so I got to see that tank from when it was kind of getting built into the wall to, uh, you know, thriving with nice colonies. And so, um, that's kind of what got me hooked and into it. Um, him and I, uh, sh have this shared interest of, of really cool stuff <laughs> and then bonsai and reefing are definitely part of that. So is, is that the first reef tank you've ever had behind you? It's the first reef tank I've ever had. You know, I've never had fish or anything up until now wow. and, and for me I, I'm, I'm all about uh acropora I, i'm a big acro guy um i could care less about the fish or soft corals or whatnot i'm i'm, I'm really into to seeing how, how acros grow how how has that journey been so far in terms of the uh the uh the reef tank it's been surprisingly easy keith uh mostly because of, of videos like yours uh, on youtube um, it's, it's been interesting being a beginner at something, having, you know, doing bonsai for profession. Uh, I, have got to learn about how a lot of people kind of consume information. Um, you know, YouTube is like the second biggest search engine in the world mm -hmm. after Google. And, uh, I, I definitely spent, you know, hundreds or thousands of hours on YouTube trying to figure this out. Um, so it's, it's been fun to be kind of a beginner and, and, and new at something again. Um, Hey, Sonny, recite. Yeah, he's right. This is a great topic. The two hobbies complement each other well. That, uh, that is true. And uh, I never kind of thought of it that way until uh, you mentioned it to me, uh, you know, Andrew, in terms of you being that, uh, having that uh, as your profession and also uh, getting into a, a reef tank. So I guess there's a lot of different things that can apply, right? The aquascaping and the, uh, and the way the corals grow, too. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think you know, reefing is such a new hobby compared to, to, to bonsai. Mm. 
Um, I, I think people are just kind of beginning to explore some of the aesthetic um, applications for it. Do you think there's so a, that's, uh, that's, that's a big um, uh, potential base of, of, of reef tank uh, converts is the, uh, the bonsai community? I think so. You know, I, I was really surprised when I got into this, um, how many of my students did, did reefing. It's, it's maybe one out of six, one out of seven, something like that. It, it was, it's, it's not a small number. Um, and I, I think it's, it's something that's really cool. You know, a reef tank is the coolest thing you have inside your house. A bonsai is the coolest thing you have outside your house. It's, it's a nice compliment. Uh, with bonsai, we're working more with, with plants, uh, and we do a little bit of less of that with reefing, but, um, it's it's a nice nice compliment for each other and you could also keep bonsai um uh, trees indoors as well right or not not, not so as much. much as you see oh. like if you watch netflix or movies you'll see like bonsai living inside that's mostly not true um i have zero bonsai inside right now and about 500 sitting outside um oh, good basically if it's tropical um if it's from an area that you know has kind of the same temperature all year round um, then it can do okay inside, but, uh, most temperate plants that, you know, need seasons, need dormancy, uh, need, need the outside temperatures. So in Portland, Oregon, does it get cold in the wintertime? It does. We, we trees go into dormancy. Dormancy is kind of triggered under 40 degrees for a plant. Um, and so most, most trees get a really good dormancy all, all winter long here. So it's, it's the nation's kind of capital for growing plants. Uh-huh. It, Keith, if you go to a garden center in Vermont, uh, and buy a Japanese maple, it was grown 20 miles from my house wow. and it was trucked all the way across the country. And so, so for somebody, if I wanted to get into bonsai, uh, you know, whatnot, could, am I, uh, kind of out of luck because I'm in a, in a, uh, very cold state in the Northeast? No, I actually had a uh, package arrive today from a, a guy who makes bonsai stands for me uh, in your neck of the woods. Hmm. Um, there's there's a bonsai club in Vermont, that, a great little club. Um, and so basically you, you have a little bit more challenge with winter protection. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 not too bad. Uh, um, Andy's asking, what grows faster for you, acropora or bonsai trees? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hey, Andy. Uh, Andy's the president of, of our uh, local reef club, um, the Pacific Northwest Marine Aquarium Society, and, and that's a really great group. Uh, so shout out to the, to the PNWMAS. Um, but for me, bonsai definitely seem like they grow a lot faster. Um, I, I think in the grand scheme of things, you can get a, 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 a nice colony of coral in a much faster time than you can a bonsai. Um, but, you know, on, on bonsai, you know, I get, you know, 12 inches of growth multiple times a year that I get to play with yeah, uh, yeah. versus these little frags behind me are like growing in the millimeters. So in the long run, I think bonsai definitely are the, the longer form, but. Well, we're getting some good, uh, we're getting some, some folks that are really uh, excited to have you on biggie. Yes. Super cool guest to have on Keith and um, Brandon Scott art NSA aquascaping is so Zen. Yeah, that is true. Um, so you mentioned you, you, uh, you teach, right? Classes. Is that kind of like how people can get into, uh, the art of bonsai is just taking classes or can you do the same thing that you just mentioned in terms of watching a whole bunch of YouTube videos and doing it that way? <laughs> a, a, a lot of people definitely take the YouTube approach. Really? Um, but yeah. And, and really what I found is, is that, uh, both being a student at reefing and being a professional at bonsai, uh, 
you you learn the most when you're doing something hands-on. You know, Keith, I could watch one of your YouTube videos and I'm really thankful for them. And I could regurgitate 100% of the information, but fail 100% in the application hmm. when I go to do it myself. And and that's the thing that videos can't really seem to, to get across. You, you, you know how to think about things, but you haven't had the tangible experience of doing them. Yeah. So, so with, with Bonsai, it's the same. It's like you, you're going to learn the most once you you know, have your hands in the tank, so to speak. Um, and, and you're, you're pruning the trees, you're wiring them, you're making mistakes that that's where all the learning is going to be. And are there different levels of expertise in bonsai? I mean, do you have like, um, like a beginner level intermediate expert? Is there like a master level? There is, uh, um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, there's definitely different levels. Um, in, in the United States, the way we kind of think about it is there's professional artists who do this for a living uh, and they do a lot of the top level work. Uh, but there's, there's also hobbyists, you know, we, we had a big uh, national exhibition uh, in, in California last year. And, you know, I, I won one of the prizes in that show, but a, a hot, you know, a high level hobbyist won a few other prizes. So it's, you're, you're seeing really good work come out of both professionals and people who so just do this. I'm showing uh, one of the videos that you had sent me with uh, this. I guess this is your bonsai garden we're looking at right here. Yeah, it'll be the, the backyard just backyard. right outside the window here. So talk to us about what we're seeing here in terms of that hole. How many how many bonsai trees are in there? I mean, they look like different uh, types of trees and pretty cool, man. Yeah, yeah if, if, if you're walking around my garden watching that video... Uh, you're going to see mostly deciduous trees like we talked about. That's the type of bonsai I'm really passionate about, uh, which is a little bit unusual. Most people think of pines or junipers when they think of bonsai. That's what you're going to see yeah. if you see a bonsai on some Netflix show. Um, but my backyard's something different. You know, I, I, I like things that have a lot of change. And so a deciduous tree is going to have four really distinct seasons. Uh, so it will look different at different times of the year. I, I don't know which video you're showing, if it's the winter or the spring one. But uh, yeah, I, it, I'm not positive. Um, it, are, are there leaves on the trees? Yes. Okay, so that's spring. So yeah, you're seeing in that video a lot of emerging colors, which are beautiful, especially on a lot of the maples and whatnot as they start to leaf out. Uh, you're seeing lots of different types of bonsai. You know, most of my trees in my backyard are deciduous, but within that, you know, I have beeches and elms and hornbeams and maples and katsura and ginkgos and, and lots of different species and they all have their little uh idiosyncrasies just like corals do um and so so andy's wondering do you have disease and other issues that can wipe out bonsai trees that like what we have on aquapora we do it's maybe not as catastrophic um or doesn't feel as fragile but um with disease and pests with with plants they tend to affect a weak tree so if you have a tree that's sick in the garden for some reason that's the one that all the bugs and the fungus is gonna and the pathogens are gonna kind of direct uh, their targets to they, they take advantage of the weakness um and so if, if you do a lot of things to keep them healthy I, I suspect it's probably the same with corals if you have a healthy coral it's probably less likely to mm. get affected by different things um what's what kind of but yeah we, what, we definitely fight them what kind of treatment options do you have yeah it depends you know if, if you're doing bonsai at a really high level if you see some type of fungus or bacteria or something on the plant oftentimes we'll cut it off send it to a lab hmm. have it analyzed and 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 really apply a real targeted chemical that's yeah. known and to, to, to treat that um rather than just kind of 
throw some stuff at the fan and <laughs> hope it works. Um, especially if it's really high dollar tree. Um, well, yeah, what, so, so what are these things? Uh, and uh, that was uh, Andy's next question. Andy's very inquisitive uh, tonight. Um, he's wondering yeah. about the price of the bonsai hobby compared to the price of the reef keeping hobby. But uh, yeah, I mean, let's start with the uh, with with the bonsai trees themselves. Are those uh, pricey depending on which uh, trees? I guess you're um, keeping. They can be. Um, you know, the average tree in my backyard is is a pretty high dollar value. Like what? Uh, uh, do, you mind, do you mind sharing what that? Uh... <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, probably in today's market, the average tree in my backyard is six to $8,000. Wow. Wow. Um, but it's, it's just like a coral, right? Like, you know, you can buy a frag for $100. You can buy a nice big colony for a lot of dollars. Um, oh, so you've grown it's, those it's from little, uh, little um, trees, I guess, little uh, seedlings. Yeah. Yeah, there's different starting points. You can start bonsai as a seedling um, and grow it from a very young thing. You can go collect something that has more momentum from nature. And if you can find some stunted but big trunk, interesting tree. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that you can kind of start a bonsai. You can go to a garden center, buy a Japanese maple that's eight feet tall and cut it down to two or three feet and kind of play with that. Um, there's there's lots of different starting points that you can kind of tackle. But um yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, the average tree in my backyard is pretty expensive, but the humble, nice thing about bonsai is you can just start with a seed and, and grow your own. It's just the, the money is time. Interesting. So if, if, if you want a prize winning tree, you're going to pay for 30 years of somebody's work, hmm. blood, sweat, and tears. Oh, that makes sense. Um, just like, uh, you know, an aquapora, if you grow a big, uh, you know, into, in a co into a colony, it's going to have to be worth more than just a little frag. That's for sure. Um, yeah. What about, um, so you've got the sun, obviously, that's powering... Um, providing a lot of the energy for those um, trees to grow. But what else do you need? I'm, I'm assuming there's some sort of nutrients that you've got to um, constantly feed the uh, trees. Yeah, and it, it's, it's funny. In, in reefing, it seems we're always trying to get nutrients out. And bonsai, we're always trying to put nutrients in. Um, and so we're, we, we tend to use soils that are um, inorganic. Uh, and we could have a long conversation about why that is. Uh, which we don't need to for, for this podcast, but we use inorganic soils, things like pumice, you know, volcanic sand, volcanic clays um, that don't have a lot of nutrition in them already because they're more sustainable for a long period of time. Uh, and because we use those soils, we have to supplement with a lot of nutrition. So we're always adding, you know, uh, different things. We actually use fish emulsion, which is basically oh, yeah. a fish smoothie. Um, so, and one, one thing I even want to experiment with is maybe taking some of the, uh, the waste from the protein skimmer and maybe diluting that down and, and trying to fertilize with that. I'm going to try that on a, a test tree next year, a low dollar. That'll be cool. Test tree. That'll be cool. But, yeah, yeah. Don't use one of those six or $7,000 trees for that. Test. No, no, no. We're going to use the seedling for that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, trying to think of ways to, to, to do that. So um, I'm um, I'm going to show the video of your uh, of your tank right now, and uh, it's really very uh, minimal uh, aquascape. But obviously, there's uh, there's the art of bonsai that's incorporated into that. So when, at, at what point? I mean, when you said to yourself, "All right, I'm going to have a reef tank," did you basically just like say automatically that I'm going to put a bonsai aquascape in there? Uh, um, um, you know, a very minimalistic thing yeah. that's going to be similar to what I'm doing in terms of my profession. Yeah. You know, I actually don't even think of this as a bonsai aquascape. I just think of it as kind of basic aesthetics. So I knew like I wanted, um, 
some type of asymmetry. So I have a big rock structure on one side and a smaller one on another side. Uh, I also knew that, you know, for everything crazy I could do of my aquascape thinking long-term, you know, this is just going to get covered with corals in the future. So how crazy can I really get? Um, but maybe the biggest influence that Bonsai had on the aquascape was actually thinking about light and how, you know, with, with photosynthetic organisms, be it coral or, or bonsai trees, you know, we're, we're limited on how light creates the structures that we grow. You can basically only have a triangle. You can't have, uh, uh, anything besides that because light has to penetrate the bottom parts as well as the top parts and keep everything kind of alive through the photosynthetic process. Um, so I tried to think about that as building my scape thinking, you know, how is light going to hit this? How is, you know, is it going to keep the corals happy? And I knew the corals were going to add a lot of mass, you know, being a bonsai artist, I, I, I'm maybe a little bit better at seeing the long term. Um, and so I was trying to think, what is this tank going to look like seven, 10 years down the road? Um, yeah, that's, and so that, that's a good approach. Uh, so Paul Greybeard Reef, I'm going to have to rewatch tonight when I get home, planning a bonsai escape for the new build. Um, Big ES question is any unique aspects that cross over between the bonsai hobby to the reef hobby? I think there's a lot of them, you know, they're both basically containerized life, right? Uh, one way to think of bonsai and I think grief keeping is, you know, it's an intersection between nature and culture. Um, we're obviously taking the best parts of the reef and kind of showcasing and celebrating that, you know, the, the flashiest corals, the, the most interesting fish. Um, the bonsai is very much the same. You're, 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 it's not fully natural. There's no way that this thing in my living room powered by all this equipment is going to be anywhere near something natural. Um, but it's, it's kind of this intersection. It's, it's kind of meeting halfway between nature and kind of humanity. Uh, and I think that's the biggest kind of similarity between the two. Um, yeah, you know, it, there, it, it does just seem to be, um, you know, so intertwined because the, 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 the craze in terms of aquascaping the last number of years has been that minimalistic, uh, aquascape. And, um, you know, having that, um, you know, the, uh, I guess, bulk reef supply coin, the phrase, the, uh, or maybe they didn't, I, I, I can't recall if they did or did not, but the, the, the NSA, the negative uh, space aquascape. So um, Sonny from ReefSite is asking, so how important is the use of negative space on your system? And can you describe the thinking behind the design? Yeah, I'll first say that my, my aquascape is probably wrong in a lot of ways that I can't even describe <laughs> um, because I, I'm still a beginner at this, right? I still don't really know what I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, I, I, I knew flow was important with Acropora and I had the goal from the beginning I was going to have mostly acros in my tank. And so I, 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 knew, um, I knew flow was really important. So I didn't want to just have a bunch of pile of rocks where flow can get in between and everything. So that's what kind of led me to the NSA aquascape. Um, I tried to do more of like the habitat style, like the bulk reef videos kind of, you know, I think they did a second video with the HNSA. Yes. Uh, and so that was my big inspiration was, was those videos actually. Um, and, and, and seeing actually a lot of the Japanese reefs too, which are more minimalistic, um, so, so that's kind of what led to my design. Uh, it's, it's not a good design. I, there's 10, 20 things I would change about it <laughs> if I could do it over. Um, now that I've actually had my hands wet and been in the tank for, for a few months. Big, but, uh, big ES says, I think the aquascape looks great. No, I agree. I think it does look really thank cool. You. Um, 
Andy's wondering, does Bonsai present the opportunity for incorporating color into the aesthetic like an SPS tank does? It doesn't. Color is not really a consideration. You, you get color by kind of happenstance in Bonsai. If the tree happens to flower or fruit and that color is really nice, or uh, if you come to my backyard in the next uh, from now until four weeks from now, you're going to see some of the best fall color on any bonsai garden in the country. Uh, just cause I have so many deciduous plants in my, my yard. So you get it kind of temporarily, but it's, um, you don't really see long form color. The, the, the best maybe comparison for Andy's question would be with the color of the bonsai pot that you put with the tree. Oh, really? Uh, that, that might be the more permanent kind of pairing. Um, but even that's pretty loose and open to interpretation. So you said, you know, there's a lot of things you might change with your aquascape. I mean, I, I, I do agree. I do like the, uh, the aquascape, but, um, you know, if, if you had to, um, you know, do it again, or if you started a second, um, reef tank, what would you change in terms of what you did with that, uh, that scape? To me, the, uh, the, 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 one side looks totally different from the other side. This one I have kind of more sculptural, structural. The other one I kind of just have these mounds with cavities in them for the fish to, to hide and play with. So I'd, I'd probably have a little bit more union between the two. Um, it, I, I was, you know, m one of my favorite podcasts you did, Keith, was the one with Steve uh, Weiss. Oh, yeah. uh, and uh, <laughs> he just kind of like shook my mind on so many things he said with aquascaping. One of, one of the ones was, you said, it's like dumb that people uh, keep their, their, their aquascape so low to the, the, the bottom of the tank and, and try and, you know, not, not let the, the aquascape really go much higher. And, and so that, that's got me thinking, I think I'd probably make a bigger aquascape. I also really like, you know, Steve is probably the one who has the most kind of bonsai like approach to reefing because he works so hard to make it look natural even though it's not so not seeing power heads not seeing you know the tank itself and and so he's probably in spirit the most bonsai uh, like aquarist in the hobby oh yeah he um like you said he doesn't want to have any visible you know pumps or equipment in the uh in the tank and um even his uh even his sump is like amazing in terms of the uh the clarity and the cleanliness but i'm not sure that's connected to the bonsai uh um hobby or not but is, is there yeah. um are are there certain things in terms of just you know organizational types of um traits that are you know key to the outer of uh, bonsai or or uh, i i guess um you know what are what are the the key principles in terms of the bonsai art you know i mean obviously we all have seen probably most of us have seen bonsai trees and and have a distinct look to them, but you know what? What are the um, the main tenets in terms of the art of bonsai? Yeah, there's there's kind of two main aesthetic directions you can go. Um, and so, if you look at the aesthetic spectrum of bonsai, you have something that's incredibly um, natural. So you have naturalism on one end, and then you have idealism. You know, human um, design, human aesthetic on the other end. And and most bonsai float somewhere in between on that spectrum uh, where you have something either very natural or very abstract uh, in form. Um, you can see bonsai that look 100% like it's just a tree cropped out of a, 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 a landscape. And you can have bonsai that look like it's 100% doesn't look like anything that you'd ever see in nature, how, how that tree would grow. 
And so there's, there is those two ends. And, and with bonsai right now, the current trend in the community is leaning a lot more towards the, the natural versus the, the abstract. Uh, so trying to create trees and make them look exactly how they, they look either on the mountainside or in the forest or, you know, on the coast or on the cliff, something like that. Um, and so the, the main aesthetic is trying to take this plant that's, you know, two feet tall, but it's naturally 80 feet tall and, and try and create that type of imagery in a, a very small kind of precise form. So what, what kind of advice would you have for folks that are trying to achieve, you know, that kind of look in terms of the bonsai uh, aquascape? Do you think it, it makes sense for people to actually look at some videos in terms of the, the art of the bonsai tree? Or does it make sense to take class that um, would help? You know, how, how, how yeah. um, you know, how, you know, like, like I mentioned, uh, Paul is going to be looking for a bonsai aquascape. What are, um, what are some things that you would suggest to folks that are trying to achieve that look? Yeah, I think study, study Japanese bonsai, traditional bonsai, that's going to give you the best kind of clarity. Um, that's on that, that spectrum that we talked about leans more towards the abstract. Uh, if you look at many traditional Japanese bonsai, on average, they tend to lean more towards, you know, that idealized kind of form. Uh, and that's the form that's kind of mimicked and copied within the reefing. Uh, hobby. Whenever you see someone saying a bonsai aquascape, it looks like a Japanese black pine, uh, kuramatsu, um, you know, very classical bonsai. Uh, so very triangular shaped. You have a trunk that comes up, you have some branching comes out, and you kind of plant your corals on that. Your corals are kind of planted on this trunk, so to speak, and they kind of grow that branching structure. Uh, for me, the weird thing about most bonsai aquascapes is they, they don't, it looks too much like a community rather than an individual. Mm. I, I think the real way to do a bonsai aquascape to, would be to just stick with one coral, just plant like 30 Oregon blue tort frags on one of those things and, and really have that grow. That would mm. look much more bonsai-like to Yeah, me, you know, but. I'm not sure I've ever seen a tank like that. It's just one type of acro or one type of coral in the uh, in the tank. I guess I've seen anemone tanks like that, but um, that would be pretty cool yeah. just to have like one species of acro um, or, or yeah. one, one, um, you know, type of, uh, of, of coral in the, uh, in the tank and see what happens there in terms of the growth. Now, I mean, obviously in terms of, uh, growing out the SPS and the corals and all that stuff, is that like a whole subset of the art of bonsai in terms of you know, fragging the corals to have them, you know, try to achieve a certain look there? You know, I, the only person I've really seen play with some of those ideas was, was Jake Adams. You know, there's, he has this great YouTube video where he, uh, he prunes a coral to improve its aesthetic. Uh, and you just you saw don't some balloons see... pop up in front of you. <laughs> I did. I don't know what that was. <laughs> but uh, thank you for overdid that. <laughs> but yeah, so it, Jake has this really great video where uh, I, he, it's some type of stag and it has this really long straight portion. And at the end of the long straight portion, the coral starts to branch in a really beautiful way. And so he takes his bone cutters, he cuts out the straight portion and he grafts the, the beautiful branching to the base of the coral, uh, to improve the aesthetic. And that's the thing that I, I'm, I'm really excited about with reefing is, is it feels like the hobby's gotten to the point where it's, it's, easy enough to keep these things alive. The, the information that we know is, is good enough to, to, to keep these functional. Now, how can we start playing with some aesthetic ideas to 
make these corals look better than they maybe naturally grow. So, you know, like a tabling acro to me looks like a bonsai tree, you know, in, in terms yeah. of the, the way they can table out. And, and uh, in my peninsula tank, <clears throat> you know, I've, I've gotten a lot of tabling growth. So it, um, you know, at certain angles and certain perspectives it does look very uh bonsai like even though i had no freaking yeah. intention of doing that <laughs> yeah 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 to me like the reason the whole reason i love acros is the the fractal patterns that they create look just like the the twigs on deciduous trees when they lose their leaves in the winter and that's that's maybe why i'm so biased towards acros but to me those those different branching patterns and the variety of like the tables versus you know the stags versus everything else is is kind of fun uh what you're responding to keith with the the tabling acros is the pads of bonsai so many abstracts or kind of more idealized bonsai uh, have these kind of big exaggerated kind of pads of foliage they look like these little floating clouds uh, that kind of give the tree some artistic structure. Uh, so it's not just one big ball of foliage, but it has mm. more detail uh, kind of underneath. And, and a tabling acro looks just like those pads. If you look at like a Japanese black pine bonsai, has these big, beautiful pads of foliage. Uh, that's, that's what tables kind of look like. Uh, Eric uh, Serachin says, um, uh, when, you, when you mentioned that uh, Jake was um, grafting or whatever he was doing, gluing, um, frags on top of a um, um, an acro said that uh, he does that with all his digis and Jake inspired him to do it. So, yeah, I mean, you 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 would mention to me when uh, we were talking about this um, this um, uh, episode that um, Jake had mentioned the art of bonsai and that that's something that really should be discussed more often in terms of within the reef keeping community. Yeah, I, you know, I I've, I've listened to both all of your podcasts and pretty much all of his, his podcasts. Um, I, I love the retherapy too. And, uh, on almost every other episode, he mentions bonsai, which is was so exciting for me. Um, he's like, man, I wish I could interview some bonsai artists. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, he had a really impressive mangrove tank. He's the first one to do like a mangrove tank, uh, kind of done right. Um, and we could talk about mangroves a little bit if you want. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when you, when you say done right, what do you mean in terms of the, uh, the magnet, just in terms of the, uh, the aesthetics of it? Uh, well, mostly the function of it, uh, any plant that's going to grow in salt water, uh, is going to have to deal with that salt. And what mangroves have evolved to do is, is push that salt through the foliage. And so, uh, if you have a mangrove in your reef tank, you constantly have to, um, miss the foliage with fresh water so that that salt uh, is, is kind of eliminated from the leaves. Otherwise, the plant will just slowly die over time. And so I think he actually had this whole misting system uh, where it sprayed, you know, RODI water down and kind of cleared the leaves, uh, the foliage with, from the salt. Uh, and so if you're having trouble with your mangrove, that could be why. Just take a spray bottle with some RODI water and just spray the foliage, you know, once or twice a week. Um, because anything that's growing in that saltwater environment is going to have to deal with that through the foliage. Right. Um, well, go ahead. Something I'd love to do is actually do like a, a mangrove bonsai, like a, like train it as a bonsai, but put it in a reef tank in the bottom. So I'm, I'm currently thinking about how to do that, but it, it's on my list. Well, I'll tell you, man, you should, uh, you should be thinking about doing some, uh, bonsai aquascapes and make that a, you know, a, uh, subset of your business. 
right? You could, uh, as long as they ship well. (laughs) Yeah, I I definitely thought about it. I I have, I do a lot of rot work in in my my bonsai work already. And so building an aquascape felt really natural. Um, Kind of a tangent art form along with bonsai is called suiseki. And suiseki are are these uh, collected stones that that, uh, the Japanese would find. Uh, They'd put them in these kind of, containers uh and they would evoke kind of a natural image so many of them might evoke a mountain range or um, a cliffside or waterfall or something like that um and so the aesthetics of suiseki uh, which is like i said a really close tangent to bonsai a lot of those actually apply more to the aquascape than than maybe bonsai itself um so so thinking if, if we want like a triangular structure uh because we need to get light 360 degrees around from from top to bottom uh, that basically necessitates a triangle um, but if we have a symmetrical triangle that doesn't look natural so creating a triangle that has asymmetry maybe changing the forward lean uh, towards the viewing angle gives it kind of a better kind of look so you can take a lot of these aesthetics from from the artist suiseki uh, japanese stones uh, a lot of those to me really applied well when building the aquascape what about um there's there's a common thing out there that i you know i I always read through in terms of when i'm creating an aquascape there's a what's it called the rule of thirds is um go ahead you know what i'm talking about yeah the rule of thirds or a lot of people will reference the fibonacci kind of sequence basically you know you don't want like the the high point to be centered it, it looks really good when your your high point is either a third from one of the, the ends. Um, and so that, that creates a really nice, pleasing image. Like I said, rather than have this perfect uh, triangle, have a triangle that's maybe offset to, to one of the sides um, to where you get a little bit more play. And, and that rule of thirds is kind of built into that, you know. The, the peak, the climax should be about one third of the way from either the beginning or the end. Are there any um, uh, types of dry rock out there in the marketplace? I don't know how, how knowledgeable you are in terms of all the different options of dry rock that we have at our disposal in this hobby. Are, are there any you know types of uh, dry rock, any brands that um, you know that you know of that might be good to create a bonsai aquascape that would be easier to work with than others? Yeah, I, I can only speak from my personal experience. I use Marco Rock for, for this aquascape, and I actually built another aquascape for a, a second tank I was going to put up. Um, and so I, I really like Marco Rock because of all the fissures and whatnot. But um, at my local fish store, Cuddle Fish and Corals, I'll give a shout out to, to Jeff. He's a great guy if you're in the Pacific Northwest uh, and you need some fish. Uh, Jeff has the, the best shop here in Portland. Um, but his wife, uh, does, does, uh, aquascaping business. And, and the thing that I really like about her aquascapes, she's actually getting pieces of coral, um, and, and, and other, you know, she's using both Marco rock and maybe some branching and some actual coral pieces. So it has a little bit more natural flavor versus the one behind me is just all Marco. Um, I don't know what, how sustainable that is, you know, as, as it, Long term, you know, everything gets covered with coral. How much detail you're going to see yeah. on some of that stuff? Yeah. Um, but... I guess it's the um, it's it's really trying to create the the unique shapes and patterns, or um, trying to mimic the uh, the bonsai. I know um, I've seen some pretty cool aquascapes. Greg Carroll has uh, one that was done by Joe Capriata, unique corals that I think it utilized the um, the two little fishy stacks. I think that's that's what okay. it's called. 
it's really um, yeah. it's it's basically um, you know like little slices of uh, live rock that uh, just kind of get stacked on top of one another. So they're like just cut yeah, yeah. and and uh, that makes it really easy to kind of like you know have overlapping uh, edges and and kind of things protruding out. So um, that that kind of like strikes me as the type of um, one type of dry rock that might make it um, easier to to create that type of look. Yeah, definitely. I think Marco has several different kind of products in their line. I just use the the boulders that you get from BRS and broke them up into pieces. Um, but but yeah, I think if I, I, I did something else, if, if I did it again, I'd probably use more variety of rock um, to, to, to kind of explore that. Uh, and I use both uh, epoxy and uh, the, the the Marco kind of mortar. Um, and, and so I kind of just tried a little bit of everything uh, since it was my first time. And um, yeah, I, I like the Marco. It, it had a lot of nice flexibility to it. Now, so, and I see that you've got a sand bed behind you in the, in the tank is the, is the sand kind of like, that's gotta be part of a bonsai kind of reef tank look there. Is that the Zen of a reef tank, the sand bare bottom, no good. <laughs> yeah. You know, I actually, it, I think for the health of the corals and for the sustainability of the tank, from what I've read, bare bottoms, the way to go. But well, there's a, a debate tank, on I... that in the hobby. You know, so there's you've got your very, yeah. you know, you got your advocates of the bare bottom. You've got your advocates of the sand bed. But um, yeah, so that's a whole area of debate. That's a whole thing. Yeah. yeah. But um, you know, I, I think the, the sand definitely gives it the look. Um, it's annoying because you gotta you gotta clean it. Unless it's I got cyano Steve... on it, then it's not a good look. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good look. But cyano on a bare bottom is probably not very good either. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. The, the sand gives it that naturalness. If you're trying to create a more natural image, definitely the sand helps with that, but I'm not sure it does very much else good from, from what I've seen. Um, I mean, what else in terms of like things that we can do? So I talked about my, uh, my peninsula tank and, and that I have um, a lot of tabling acros and it wasn't my intention, but I think it's because of the, um, the tank is only 20 inches tall. It's got a lot of flow. I think that's causing a lot of corals to, uh, to table out, you know, is a, um, it, it, so flow, I would think, and the height of a tank could potentially come into play in terms of trying to cre recreate the, uh, the, the art of bonsai in a, in a reef tank. Um, I guess I got a good, uh, <laughs> a good example of that going on in, in, in my uh, basement here, but are, are there things that uh, you think can be done to try to like promote that look besides what I just described in terms of the height of the tank and the flow of the tank? Any, any other kind of variables that we could play around with, like light, you know, uh, lighting, more focused lighting in certain areas to try to encourage certain types of growth in a certain direction? It, yeah, it, it'd be weird, but you could, you could definitely maybe, I, I've often wondered, like, it would look horrible, but putting like spotlights on the side, it would give you more flexibility in the structures that you could create. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know, Keith. Um, I, to me, I think a lot of the aesthetic potential is maybe how corals can be pruned and kind of worked over time versus maybe the equipment and how something can get set up. Uh, when Jake was doing that, that thing I referenced earlier where he cut the straight, cut the ugly portion out, and grafted the the two beautiful sections back together. I think there's probably a lot of room for that uh, in the hobby. Um, some of the other videos I, I started out with a lot, um, Coral Euphoria. Uh, Abe 
has this really cool mechanism where he can just move his colonies because yeah. they're on these pegs. And the, I think the aesthetic potential of that technique is, is huge because uh, like Andy said, with colors, uh, if you have two or three red corals together, maybe you can just move on and put in different colors. I, I think that gives you more kind of aesthetic freedom to play around with, with things. Um, I, I'm not sure equipment will get there. I think kind of equipment, it's not that there won't be advances, but a lot of it will be kind of more imaginative ways to improve aesthetics rather than functional. Um, and, and what about the, the type of reef tank? You know, I noticed that you've got a peninsula tank there and I mentioned I have a peninsula tank. Is, is that, um, you know, something, and I, I, you can't see it in the way, uh, you're, you're, um, it's in the shot right there, but uh, I believe it's an open top tank is um you know does that matter in terms of you know trying to create that bonsai effect with a reef tank in terms of whether it's a peninsula tank a straight you know a tank without um you know just three viewing sides is is there anything to that in terms of the um the type of the tank that people are using yeah I, you know i actually found aquascaping for the peninsula a lot harder than yeah. aquascaping for a, the, the typical tank because it, it has to look good you you need like a front whenever you're doing sculpture you, you always need a front but any any sculpture artist will reference two points that front where the viewer will see the image and then the 3d all the way around and both of those things are important um and that that was the challenging thing about the the peninsula is is it it not just only had to look good from the front but from every side i was going to kind of look at it and and that made my aquascaping kind of more complicated. I think that um, um, that drove me bananas in terms of because you know my my peninsula tank is the first peninsula tank I ever had, and um, I felt like I needed to um, really be happy with the aquascape in both both you know both sides of the tank. I, I wasn't terribly concerned about the viewing end of the panel, even though my tank is three foot wide. But um, I yeah. was trying to like get it right in terms of both the um, both sides of the uh, main panels of the tank and um it was hard man i couldn't really i couldn't really achieve what i wanted to achieve so the um the best side was the side that uh i see the a lot more often than um the other side yeah. and it was funny because the corals was kind of like adapted to that aquascape and 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 so i feel like i got a, a much better pattern of growth of corals on the side that I aquascaped well versus the side that didn't come out as well. So that's, yeah. um, that is definitely hard. It's, it's, you know, you talked before about, um, maybe you don't need to be so per, per, you know, perfect with the design of an aquascape because once you do it right in terms of growing corals and the corals are going to cover everything up, but it's a, um, it's a tough thing, man. And, and I guess, I guess the question I'm, I'm leading up to is, um, at what point do you kind of like have to just step back and leave it alone? in terms of the art of bonsai and the art of, uh, you know, creating, recreating that sort of artistic uh, look in a reef tank, you know, at what point do you um, just have to say, you know what, I can't, I can't just keep uh, going over this thing and trying to make it um, perfect in my mind. Yeah. I, I, I think it's important. It's, it's definitely something you learn to live with when you're doing art for a profession is, is being okay. Kind of, finding consensus with that stopping point but you know the beautiful thing about both bonsai and reef tanks is that they evolve over time and so you know 
I don't necessarily have to place the rocks perfectly now because I could maybe make edits as corals grow and as things change and as I live with it more. And, and I guess if you're sculpting a, uh, an aquascape, you, you're putting things in stone or mortar, so to speak. But uh, you, just being okay with that change, you know, knowing that that's the thing that I love about, you know, bonsai and reefing is that that continual change keeps it exciting uh, it allows for improvement because we're not the only ones working on our tank that the, the corals and are, are kind of working themselves. And so it's this kind of collaboration between us and, and the corals kind of over time. That's kind of how we think of bonsai is it's a relationship uh, with the artist and the tree. Uh, they each contribute and, and through those sets of contributions, you, you get a nice product at, at the end. Um. Mark Hibbert is asking, how about backlighting the rear panel to give dimensions to the bonsai layout similar to freshwater planted tanks? Yeah, interesting. Um, so I guess the use of light. Yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't played or, or thought too much about that. Um, but that that might be a kind of a fun, interesting way to do it. What do you think about that, Keith? Um, yeah, I think that's um, that's tough because it, um, then I think you need to kind of play around with the lighting and have, you know, somehow yeah. focus a light in a certain spot. But uh, I guess if you have certain like spotlights, I know there are lights that can be directed much more, you know, in, in a focused way in a certain area than, than other lights that have a, a much lighter or larger um, spread of light. So, but I can see that being kind of cool having kind of different spotlights on different parts of the tank. The only problem with that is that, um, it's it's gonna impact the uh, the um, the ability to grow corals because if you've got such focused light in certain areas of the tank, but I guess if you have yeah. um, light and then you put a spotlight someplace to to highlight whatever spot you want to do, then that's gonna be okay as long as you're not um, you know skimping on the light that the corals need to grow and thrive and do well. Yeah, yeah. It might also if you have an open top like uh, I do here. Uh, it might look kind of crazy to have all these different spotlights. It's probably better for people who have cabinetry above their tanks. Um, but um, Reef Exotic, uh, Reef Exotic by Luisa Aceves. Hey, Luis, um, Mark Hibbert, I did that with the frosted vinyl. Not too uh, good. It peels. Need to get the ADA light screen. It's expensive, though. I guess there's a lot of different things you can do in terms of playing around with a reef tank and trying to achieve that um, that certain um, look. Hibbard. Hibbard. Um, yeah. So You know, one tank that really has a cool, um, to me, a, a more bonsai style is, um, have you seen the Emotions tank? Um, they're, they're one of the most popular tanks on Instagram. Um, it's, it's, the company's called Emotions. They're over in Europe. Oh, check it out. They had a, it was a bare bottom tank. Now I think they're putting sand, but their aquascapes were super, super minimal and they weren't necessarily bonsai shaped. They weren't tree shaped, but to me, they were more kind of idealized. They were more in the spirit of bonsai than the, 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 the look of it. Um, but it was super minimalist, super, super beautiful, super chic. It's a very editorial tank. Um, so th that one to me is, is really bonsai inspiring. Um, yeah, it's a fun one to check out. Yeah, now there there are a lot of uh, inspiring tanks. I know um, um, Sonny, who was in the chat before, I don't know if he's still watching it or not, but um, his aquascapes are 
I, I think are buns I like. And I think it's also the uh, the growth of the corals that he has in his tanks over the years that um, really kind of has that uh, that look that a lot of people uh, yeah. desire. And it's and it's also about the um, the cleanliness, right? We talked about this in terms of Steve Weiss and stuff like that. But you know, how important is it to keep the um, the background in your tank? You know, if you don't have a peninsula tank, keep the uh, the back panel clean so corals can pop. I mean, is that's got to be a big part of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine. Um, you know, the other thing I was just sitting here thinking too is, is one way you can definitely achieve more of that bonsai look is, is, you know, if you think about how a tree grows, you have a stump coming up out of the ground and then it fractures into a lot of branches. So having a really kind of small, narrow base at the bottom, uh, is, is probably a good way to, to achieve that more kind of tree and, and branching kind of shape. And, and a lot of the, the successful bonsai reefs, I, I think have that they have a pretty strong but narrow base and then things kind of flare up into that nice triangular branching pattern i got a coral that you should have man it's a uh, it, it, i don't know because i know i know I, I sold you some corals at one point in time but uh, there's a coral that i have it's called the sequarium unknown and um uh -huh. it looks like a bonsai tree it um it's got very unique really? growth uh, patterns in fact i gave um i sent jake uh, adams a frag of it but um I describe it as like a like a, it's got like a long stem and then it's kind of like um, almost like a tulip type of shape to it and it's got yeah. branches that just kind of like come out of that one um, stem. On my website, if you go in and you check out the Secure Unknown, you can see um, I have I have a video of all my um, frag the mother colonies of the frags that I sell and you can see the uh, the mother colony in, on the website of the Secure Unknown and it looks very bonsai to me. In terms of that yeah. uh, kind of pattern so um you know and i think that's also another thing an important thing to uh, to talk about in terms of uh how the art of bonsai translates to the reef keeping hobby and, and, and it's not necessarily in terms of uh corals look you know this coral looks like a you know a bonsai tree or that coral looks like a bonsai tree but i think it's also about not focusing on the colors per se of the coral you know if a coral is like a brown coral or um you know, brown turd or um you know very um nondescript you know not like neon pink or blue or red or orange or something like that but it's just kind of got a bland uh color palette to it those um those can be really cool corals because you know a lot of times those corals have pretty awesome looking shapes so it's kind of like yeah. that um the difference in terms of you know you've got the um the color the, the color palette aspect, the color aspect of uh, different corals and then the shape of the corals. And, uh, you know, so I, I know that was one thing that Jake appreciated was that, um, you know, just because a coral didn't kind of like wow you with its, um, you know, vibrancy in terms of the colors, if there was a coral that had a very unique, cool shape to it, then that was something that um, should be considered a special coral. I mean, everybody's got their own things that uh, get them jazz and all that stuff. But I think that's an important point to talk about too, in terms of the, uh, the shape of a uh, coral versus the color of a coral. Yeah. Well now I think the, the, the coral hobby is so, um, so pointed towards what's the most extreme colors, what's the most, you know, crazy combination of colors that having some more subtle colors, just like an Oregon blue tort or, you know, just more kind of, less flashy corals actually make the flashy corals stand out more. If, if your whole tank was crazy rainbow tenuous, you know, 
it might look a little bit too much like rainbow vomit. <laughs> and and uh, if you throw in some more kind of plain, subtle, a lot of the old school corals in there, I think I think that that makes those special corals more special and stand out a little bit more. You should um, you should grow some uh, branching digitata, some digis, and start hacking away at them with the you know like trying to create a bonsai kind of look with the because digis just grow very fast and and um, although I guess it's kind of tough to do that with digis because they're so brittle, but um, yeah, I'm just kind of trying to I'm just thinking uh, out loud here. Yeah. Um, you, you know, with bonsai, we we take something like a Japanese maple. And we try and make that Japanese maple look better than it naturally would because we're humans. We have a brain and we think we know better. <laughs> and, uh, and I think with the coral, that's maybe our, where we could go with aesthetics is how do I make this colony? How can I, you know, it naturally grew like this in my tank without doing anything. How can I, with the tools I have with my bone cutter, with my super glue, how can I improve the, the aesthetic of that, that colony? And, uh, can I prune away some, ugly parts, you know, grow out some more interesting parts. I, I think that's where, you know, as, as the hobby's getting to where it's, these tanks are more sustainable, people can have tanks for longer. I think that's the kind of exciting direction where, where aesthetics can go in the reefing hobby. What about the, um, the, uh, the presence of fish? You know, obviously every reef tank has, um, has fish in it. I, I think I've never seen, I've never, I've never seen a fishless uh, reef tank, but um, what about yeah. the use of, uh, of fish to kind of, complement the um the aquascape and the corals in the tank you know should should we be thinking about if we want that look to be you know should we be thinking about small shoaling fish or are there certain types of fish that uh, might make more sense versus others yeah i think it's definitely you know when i when i kind of did my vision board for the tank i i got all my fish together i'm like is this a beautiful color palette <laughs> do i have enough variety of shapes and colors and whatnot here so i literally made like a fish plan almost like a vision board to you know see oh you know i have a group of schooling fish and tried to 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 to, to have some aesthetic beauty that that's kind of how i approached it um the, the the challenge with a reef tank is most people only have one maybe two and so it's it's tough to ex explore different aesthetic ideas. Most people who have bonsai have, you know, 20, 30, 40 of them. So they could have one bonsai that's doing this theme or this mm. aesthetic. They could have another one that's doing something totally different. It's hard to do that with a reef tank um, mm. because, you know, I, I think the ways that we can be most artistic would be most limiting. You know, the, the tank behind me here is just a collection of one of every – 50 of my favorite different corals. It, it's a collection, not an artistic yeah. thing. I, I think the artistic way to do it would be to say, you know, maybe I'm just going to have all blue corals, like most have a lot of blue torts and, and the, the blueberry bonsais and, and just, you know, have a more focused aesthetic, maybe choose a fish that is a complementary color. So maybe yellow or orange to pop from that blue. And, and that's the artistic way to do it but it's the most limiting because w there's so many cool things in the hobby and all of us kind of, you know, we all want a little bit of everything. Yeah. Cause I've always thought that um, in terms of fish that um, it's really would be very, you know, and I've done this to have a bunch of uh, green chromis and a bunch of, um, you know, lyrotail tail uh, antheus just schooling fish. And, and that's, um, and that's actually, you know, I think I've, I've um, in terms of Steve Weiss' tank, I think that was kind of like the um, what I recall seeing in that that um, that larger uh, tank, the, the thousand gallon thousand gallon uh, tank. 
which um, yeah. had kind of like that kind of look. And then, there, then there's other types of fish too. Um, the uh, I can't remember the name of the um, the cardinal fish. They're is it a cardinal fish? They're all silver with blue eyes. Um, somebody could oh the yeah yeah somebody could somebody those. could drop the uh, that uh, name in the chat. Appreciate that. But um, yeah, it just seems that that would be very uh, you know very serene type of um, addition to a bonsai inspired reef tank. Yeah. Yeah. I think having a more focused, simple vision, not having just a collection of your favorite fish and a collection of your favorite corals, but saying, you know, my whole tank is going to be this and, and having a more focused theme. It's tough because it's, it's really expensive to get a reef tank going. It's, it's, you know, to, to explore what I get to explore in bonsai, you need 20, 30 reef tanks. And that was the fun about seeing Jake's studio where he, he could explore a lot of those different areas. Um, so yeah, I think the, the being being the most artistic is actually the being the most limiting, um, but but that might make it fun. Um, NSB Reef says uh, an infinity edge tank with a bonsai aquascape would be cool. And let me add to that with a mangrove, that would be really cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of you know I have this dream of making a mangrove forest, and so it would be like a forest planting bonsai. I would the, the mangroves would be one hundred percent trained in the bonsai kind of aesthetic. Uh, but have the reef kind of down beneath. I, th I think that'd be really cool. Or even like it's, a it's uh, even like a drop down tank. You know that would, yeah. that would be really um, interesting. Um, yeah. I, you, you know, you mentioned um, what, what was the the artist stone that you would uh, mention before uh, Andrew in terms of how it's called su Suiseki. Suiseki. S okay. Yeah. And and it's 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 been complementary to bonsai um, up until about thirty years ago. Most bonsai people were highly proficient in suiseki, and most suiseki professional people highly proficient in bonsai. Um, but that I think suiseki has a lot of aesthetic ideals um, that that would apply to aquascapes. How to make an aquascape look good? Because not every rock that you would pick up, you know, on a river is beautiful. You're you're looking for the exceptions, the ones that maybe have the asymmetry, uh, the rugged textures, things like that. Can that actually um, make its way into a reef tank in terms of that rounded rock look, that 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 particular art of um, that you're talking about there? I mean, is uh, or is that just completely unnatural in terms of a uh, saltwater reef tank? It would probably be pretty unnatural. Um, I, I also wonder if they would leach anything. There are different types of rock. Um, but I think a lot of the aesthetics are, are really applicable for people who are building aquascapes. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, Mark Hessel, the name of the fish is, I can't see the uh, Zorami. Is that what it is? I'm thinking of something else, I think, unless that's a scientific name. Um, Biggie, yes. What has been your favorite livestock, Andrew? Favorite livestock? Well, I'm, I, I'm all about the corals, but as, as far as the, the, the fish go, I guess. Um, yeah, I have. We, we have this uh, diamond goby. Uh, my uh, my mom named him Dyson because <laughs> he's just constantly sitting. Uh, but he's definitely the most fun, interesting one to watch. But uh, I, I have a probably the most beautiful fish is the the male square anthias. Um, just like the the small little brush strokes that he has on his fins and whatnot he's he's a real real beautiful fish um so yeah i mean 
in, in terms of um, you know the intersection of the two uh, um, you know disciplines, what um, I guess what would be your top three tips to folks out there that want to try to create the art of bonsai into a reef tank? Yeah, I think um, having more of an artistic vision from the start. So, and what does that? So maybe, what does that mean? Yeah, so pl- planning. We we talked a lot about planting your rock, but maybe even planting corals so that you know you don't have two similar textures growing next to each other. So maybe maybe you don't want two milliporas next to each other. Uh, maybe you want to incorporate different species, different colors, different textures, different growth habits so that you can kind of create a more beautiful reef. Um, like I said, I think if you're more limiting, you know, if you say I'm only going to have um, corals of one color or one species or something, you'd probably get, or, or just even just be minimalist, say I'm only going to have one coral and one fish. I think you get a more beautiful aesthetic image uh, you, you referenced that that clownfish and um, an enemy tank that BRS did. To me, that's one of the most artistic tanks I've seen, just because it's yeah. it's 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 so editorial. It's so it looks like just one piece of the environment. Um, so I, I, I think just more just more artistic vision from the start. Thinking about what the if you want more aesthetic of your reef tank thinking about your fish plan the different colors of the fish how they're going to react with the different corals that you buy um just just having more kind of foresight when putting it together gotcha um yeah i mean anything else in terms of um you know vision and and planning yeah it's um it's 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 tough with a reef tank I, I feel uh, it, it's hard because with bonsai, you're you're kind of sculpting and changing these things over time. And with a reef tank, growing. you kind of <laughs> it's growing, right? With a reef tank, you kind of like you, it's hard to change your aquascape, especially if you're like piecing it together with mortar and whatnot. It's hard to go back and change that um, after you've lived with it for a year or two or three. Um, and so probably the best way to have an aesthetic tank is to have it not be your first tank. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like, like I said, with, with my aquascape, I just, now that I've had a tank, I would probably approach it, uh, uh, differently going forward, knowing what I know now that I've actually glued coral to a rock and, and all that. So I, I might redo this one day. Um, oh, that's always the fun part. Might be a, yeah. Fun adventure. Um, but, but yeah, I think just, you know, because I, I don't think a lot of people look at the reef tank in an artistic way. I, I think it, it's more of a collection of, of really cool stuff in the hobby. And I think that's starting to change now. You're, you're seeing a lot of tanks. I think even BRS is doing a lot more theme tanks and they're doing 52 week series, which is kind of fun to watch. Yeah. Um, so I think that's where people can play with aesthetics a little bit more is, is having that foresight from the beginning um, it, when they're setting up their tank and having more themed, you know, it doesn't need to be natural because nothing about this is natural. Yep. Uh, uh, but, and, and one thing I always like to say in terms of keeping a reef tank is, um, I also think it's, it's, um, wise to try to minimize the amount of times you're putting the hand, you know, your hands in the tank to try to like re, um, do things or try to, you know, a, a, attain a, a certain look. So I think, 
you know, that's the risk in terms of somebody that's trying to achieve a bonsai type of look is like too much tinkering. Yeah. So I think also to kind of like get back to, you know, art versus science that, um, you know, lean on the science part and let mother nature do her thing. And, um, so, you know, let, let nature uh, take its course. Um, I, I always find that, um, the less I fiddle, the better things kind of turn out in the long term, and and um, you know, so that's kind of like I think part of the uh, the art of bonsai too is just kind of like trying trying to um, you know set things up for success, and um, obviously with the bonsai tree, you can do a lot of um, changes along the way, but not necessarily with a reef tank unless you're doing a lot of um, fragging, because you know mature reef tank, it's going to be tough to pull that rock out into to make changes so um i don't know man maybe there's a whole nother thing there in terms of uh like we talked about before bonsai fragging where you can uh yeah try to do something on, on that end but i you know so i guess what i'm saying in a long-winded way is um just uh don't fuss with the tank too much yeah don't don't it, it's it's gonna be a lot harder to fuss with <laughs> once it's all put together and running and, and all that yep um but that's maybe one of the, the nice things about the, the aquascapes that are mortared together is, is you don't really have that option. Mm -hmm. If you're just stacking rock, you, you, <laughs> you have the good things that come with that. You can just take the whole rock out when you need to frag something. But it, it gives you maybe too much freedom to, to, to mess with it over time. Yeah. Versus my aquascape, I can basically just turn it. I hey, can't there, you go. <laughs> there you go. So. Um, all right, Andrew, man, any, anything else that uh, we didn't touch on that you wanted to uh, mention? I, I think we covered a, a good chunk of it. You know, they're, they're both really fun, exciting hobbies. Uh, they both share a lot of things, you know, containerized life. Um, they're, there's, there's a lot of rewarding things between the two, and it's been fun to kind of explore that. Uh, along the way so so um all right man how um so so tell the folks again how they can find your podcast yeah it's the bonsai wire podcast you can get on it wherever you find podcasts um my business is called rakuyo bonsai uh most of the bonsai world kind of lives on instagram so if you want to see some cool bonsai work kind of being done uh, a lot of that is on instagram you can just find me under rakuyo bonsai spell that uh, i'm here and spell that r-a-k yeah r-a-k-u-y-o oh there you go you're wearing um, it or if you just yeah i'm wearing it here <laughs> um and if you just type in my name uh andrew robson bonsai you'll be able to, to to find me uh if anyone's ever you know bonsai gardens are really fun to see so if you ever drive in uh through portland oregon uh anyone's welcome to come by and see the garden uh and i guess by extension the reef tank so, there you go um yeah, yeah. All right, Andrew. Listen, man, this is a lot of fun. I appreciate you uh, you coming on and 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 sharing your uh, your interesting uh, perspective. I think it uh, there's definitely a lot of parallels between the two um, um, hobbies, uh, art forms, whatever you want to call them. But um, yeah, hopefully uh, we uh, we learned something. Yeah, thanks for having me, Keith. And I, I got to try and get you to come on the Bonsai podcast so there you we can kind of do this yeah. from the other end of there the, you go. the spectrum. For sure. Well, I want to thank yep. uh, Andrew again for being on the uh, show. I also want to thank both Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine for sponsoring the live stream and thank all you folks out there for tuning in. And I also want to thank Paul, who is the moderator and the president of Boston Reef Keepers Society, Reefer Society. So um, please join and support your local reefing clubs. They're so important to this hobby. Also, want to let you know that all episodes of Rap on the Reef Bone are available as podcasts on Spotify, 
Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Amazon. My next Rapid Oil Reef Bum live stream will be next Tuesday, October 24th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Taris Pleskin, who is an, um, an aquaculturist. I think there's also another name that he uses. We'll, we'll get to the bottom of that. He's from uh, Top Shelf Aquatics. He's the guy that um, does all the uh, – he's the expert in terms of live feeds, phytoplankton, roadie, uh, rotifers. So should be another really interesting show. If you want to check out the full upcoming schedule of Repping with Reef Bum, visit reefbum.com under the YouTube section. Until next time, be safe.